Yes, you're very welcome along. Episode 11 of News Talks SSE, our Tristity League podcast. Hope you're all keeping well. I am Richie McCormick and here, uh, as ever, is spokesmodel for Wrangler in Ireland and also spokesmodel for Buco jeans in general. It is Oshin Langan. Don't forget buckle shoes. Buckle shoes as well. And check shirts. Uh, I, well, I thought I had the, uh, the market cornered on that, but I've gone for a polka dot effort today in honour of Dusty Rhodes. Hipster. You might say that. I couldn't possibly comment. You're eating your lunch off a cutting board, a wooden cutting board. Yeah. You don't use plates anymore and you drink lemonade. You go to places where they won't even serve Coke. No, completely bulgur wheat and quinoa and avocado. And that's it. That's good for your tummy and it's yummy, yummy, yummy. I, I, I'm getting hungry just at the mention of those foods. Stop. You, only, you only eat carveries. Carvery is your... That's like, you've, got, can, you've got three things. Yes. Wranglers, boot cut, carvery, the three tenets of Langan. Yeah, pretty much. That's actually that's pretty much me summed up, isn't it? Throw, yeah, throw nicely. In, throw in Hurlan, and we're probably that's the four, the four corners, but not after Carvery, but not after Carvery. That's a big. That mistake. can be a messy experience, but you can still do the Hurlan in the Wranglers, which I think is credit to you as well. That's true. Uh, busy week it has been, and a busy week on the way as well as we lurch into second round FAI Cup action. Uh, lots of potential Woo-hoo. giant killings on the horizon. So Stop. excited! About we're going to cover weekend. it as well. Uh, also, another big win for Dundalk away to Finn Harps. A fairly tempestuous affair at Turner's Cross with Cork edging out Derry and the aftermath of all that. And the league potentially has a new full international. More of that and on. The first pushing for the week's news. Here I go. Everyone starts going. Here's the gaffer. Quick. Well, Petty's bats have never been far away from the League of Ireland. However, this week it should be noted Finn Harps agreed to play Pats early as the Saints have a potentially busy schedule coming up in July, which will hopefully involve an extended Europa League run. Now, that was something Liam Buckley wrote about in his pre-match programme notes last Tuesday, and he was very grateful to the Donegal side. On the field, Pats weren't so grateful. Two Timlin goals either side of strikes from Byrne and Dennehy gave them a 4-0 win. Harps have now conceded 11 in their last two games against Dundalk and Pats, respectively, but their manager, Ollie Horgan, didn't take up any of the excuses offered after the game. We're disappointed once again as on Friday to concede so early. And, you know, when you concede so early against a team away from home like Pats or Dundalk home and away so early in the game, it's difficult to get back into it. And that's exactly the way it turned out on Friday and tonight. It's a home cup tie at the weekend. It's the ideal way to bounce back a game that you'd be fancied to win, although it will be tough. Well, most certainly will be tough. And uh, Crumlin have won very comfortably a final last Saturday at 5 nothing in the Viva Stadium. Uh, they were excellent. They're, they're the best intermediate side and have been for a number of years and we know we'll be under serious pressure to get it in over that game probably a performance like tonight or, or last Friday won't be good enough against them because without doubt they're, they're the best if you like intermediate side in it and have serious quality probably lads that, that I'd love to get a hold of and, and as would maybe better League of Ireland sides than we would like to, to get a hold of and uh, no we, we know what we're going into and it'll be it'll be a very difficult game for us uh, even even if we're flying, don't mind having suffered through heavy defeats. You know, uh, finishing here tonight. Like. He's in one on one. This could finish it. Dennehy three 0 for St. Pat's, and that is that. Twenty four minutes into the second half. It's in terms of our season so far, we have been hitting this again. Some good performances, patches, um, and some poor performances. But overall, from from where we're looking at tonight, I was a little bit more composed. The lads are a bit more relaxed in trying to play the way we want to play. As I said, we did create quite a few chances. Uh, I think they have played well. 
um, albeit with room for improvement. Um, but it's just nice to, it's more enjoyable for me to watch it. I'm sure it is for the fans as well that have seen us over the last few years here. That you know, when you get better control of the ball, it's much more enjoyable for us. A largely young team tonight, and they took their chance. That's good when you give them a chance, and they they raise their hands. Yeah, and they're delighted. Um, we've got probably ten or twelve of these young kids that are sort of under twenty one, sort of in around that bracket, nineteen, twenty, twenty one. Um, and it's a good opportunity for them to jump in here. Uh, one or two of them have done themselves plenty of favours here this evening, and uh, they've played really well. After Tuesday's game, by the way, Conan Byrne was taken away on a stretcher and brought to hospital. But Neil O'Reardon of the Irish Sun has tweeted today saying that he has been discharged. Aileen Buckley quoted as saying he had an x-ray, a scan, and was thoroughly examined to make sure there was nothing wrong with his back, pelvis or kidney. Nothing showed up, no lasting damage. Whether he'll play in the FAI Cup on Saturday is another matter, but it's good to hear that uh, he is okay. Now Sligo Rovers scraped a 1-0 win at home to Bohemians who missed plenty of chances. Both boss Keith Long, but first Rovers manager Dave Robertson, both men talking to Dara Cox of Ocean FM. And at the end of the day, listen, it's not a pretty win, it's an ugly win. And I just said to the players, it, I think that's something that, um, that makes up for all of the good performances we've had where we haven't got, where we haven't got our, um, our justified results from them. You know, it's flipped its way on its head tonight and, you know, uh, we've won, we've not won with pretty free-flowing football. We've won with dogged resilience and, and a good defensive display by 10 men. Inside the box he goes now, turns onto his left foot. Great work from Kyohan, gets the shot away. It's half blocked, comes through to Sadlier. Back in from Sadlier. Go on. Yes, it's Aline yeah. Martin, is it, that put it in? It's deflected off uh, Prendergast, I think, yeah, and then, yep. I'm disappointed with uh, the decision to allow play to, to continue um, in the build-up to their goal. The referee, uh, what looked to me, seemed to bring his whistle to, to his mouth to uh, call back the free kick. But, um, you know, those little things are going against us at the moment. And, uh, you know, we're not feeling sorry for ourselves. We're working very hard to try and uh, amend things and put things right. And if we continue to do, uh, play like we did tonight um, and create those chances, I know the goals will come. We need to obviously improve in the, in the final third. Um, you know, and, and capitalise on those moments in the game when we do create. Um, we need to we need to ultimately start putting the ball in the net. If if we got a goal like Rovers got tonight, I mean, a simple goal like that could that just you know if, if you got one could that change things around? Yeah, well, listen, we needed to go in off somebody's arse or something, you know, something like that that might change it for us, you know. So. Um, uh, yeah, that's the way it's going for us a little bit. But like I said, we have to create our own look and we have to try and turn things ourselves. We can't be reliant upon any, any anybody else other than ourselves. Cork City are keeping up with the Kennys after a 2-1 win at home to Dundalk. Fairly dramatic stuff. A, a late goal to win it there for City. John Caulfield is keen to keep the pressure on Dundalk. Six wins out of six. You know, it just shows you the league is splitting up and, and um, you know... Everyone is saying Dundalk, you know, are, are going to run away with the league, and maybe they will. But we seem to be the only team that's hanging in there. And um, you know, as I said, just tremendous spirit in this team and tremendous guts. And uh, and I think the lads showed that right to the end. And um, you know, that doesn't happen by accident. You walk on that, and you walk on the characters, and you walk on the personalities you have, and their fitness. And uh, you know, so um, you know, there's a massive three pointers. Caroline, the arse is ripped out of me trousers here. Thanks, Roddy. Thank you, Oisin, for that week's news and uh, a very tempestuous week, as we mentioned it has been. And uh, I suppose a good point uh, for Finn Harps uh, in that, uh, not that they won a good point, they, of course, got hockeyed by Dundalk, uh, but they are facing a very, very busy schedule over the next while and a tricky tie against Crumlin in the Cup this coming weekend as well. Because Crumlin, not a bad side, by all accounts. At least it's at home. They looked absolutely jaded on Tuesday night I was at the game and I don't think they wanted for effort they just just couldn't keep up with the Pats team who looked at times like they were gliding 
over the pitch. A very young Pats team as well. And Dodge had a stat that the average age was something like 24. I told him I'd rip it off. I have, but I've probably got the detail wrong. I'm just thinking off memory. Anyway, a very young team. But uh, yeah, they knocked the ball about. And Billy Dennehy, really good in a kind of a central position. You know, he was he was a good marshal. Colin Byrne, up and down the pitch, created lots of attacks. Um, as we heard from there, picked up a bad injury. Let's mm. hope he's back soon. Yes, indeed. Uh, right, it is a very busy cup weekend, as we mentioned on the way. Second round action starting uh, on Friday night. A tricky tie for Bowes, who again are lacking goals. Uh, Keith Longsayer saying that he'll take one going in off somebody's arse. Frankly, I will as They'll well. They'll take any kind of goal at the moment. Yeah, it was ridiculous watching the highlights of them against Sligo, whereby they did absolutely everything bar scoring. It wasn't the case that, and this can be the problem with teams that aren't scoring, you're not creating chances. You're not creating chances, you're not going to score goals. They created plenty of chances. It's almost as if now... They, uh, they're like that teenager who's aiming too high for the, uh, the prom or the homecoming dance in the high school movie in the 80s. They're going for the girl. It's almost too good looking for them. They're aiming too high and they want it too much. It's just not going to happen. Settle for the plain Jane. Does this mean head. it will all come good in the end? Absolutely it will. And it will be soundtracked by... Um, someone will take off their glasses and undo their ponytail and the nerd will actually turn out to be the beauty and that's who you go for. Just like... And Rachel. it was in front of you all the way along. Just we're, We are essentially going to find bows. Rachel Lee Cook in She's All That and I could well that wasn't an 80s movie it I've never matter. seen that it, kind of it had Freddie Prince Jr. in it I've never seen it but it lent towards the 80s kind of vibe had Rachel Lee Cook in it man come on what more do you want who, I, I don't know who Rachel Lee Google Cook. it I know who Helen Slater is Right. I know who Daryl Hannah is I know who Elizabeth Shue is because they're all 80s icons I've no idea who Rachel Lee Cook can is can we not get into is she the daughter theme? of Helen Slater or let's move this on yeah good call Neil O'Reardon of the Irish Sun is with us. Neil, um, it is FAI Cup weekend and um, I have to say, I find it very hard to get excited about the early rounds. Are you in a similar position? Yeah, well, it, it is important for certain sides, especially just the time of the season now that the you know, the League Cup is already at the semi-final stage. There's no Satanta Cup. So, you know, if you're kind of stuck in mid-table in the league, your season is kind of hinging on this already, you know, even though it's just, just over a third of the way through. So you look at, for instance, Bose Galway has won now. Bose might well end up in a relegation zone, so it's, it's, there may, it may be the case that they do have something to play for. But, you know, it would look pretty bleak now if they were to get knocked out by Galway um, on Friday night. Uh, you would see that, you know, them sort of targeting that tie as a chance to sort of maybe build confidence up, you know, it's a cliche, but maybe a distraction from a league, different competition, and, um, you know, I'm sure it would give them a boost if they could get through. The signs were there against Sligo last weekend that the chances are being created. It's just a matter of one or two of them going in. We heard Keith Long earlier on the show saying that one of them just needs to go in off somebody's arse and you can get trucking from there, but it is very much that case for them. Yeah, you know, you do kind of wonder, like, maybe had they been drawn against an non-league side in this round that it could have done them some good. Um, you know, I think it was 2000, the last time an on-league side knocked out a Premier Division team. So you'd be reasonably confident that they would get through and you would see there's a chance maybe to get a morale-boosting win with a couple of goals. But, you know, this is a really tricky sort of fixture for them. And you're right, I think they created uh, 11 or 12 chances up in Sligo, but couldn't put any of them away. Now, in fairness, Iacanada is coming back to full fitness and that will make a difference. But I think the disappointment has been that the likes of Mark Quigley and Curtis Byrne came in in the off-season and, and indeed Jay Kelly in the middle of last season they haven't really sort of lightened the load in terms of goals Yeah How do you see Dundalk perhaps approaching their tie with Shelburne Dundalk you know they haven't they're obviously they're uh, streets ahead in the league they've got four point gap over Cork at the top of the Premier Division but in terms of cup competitions this is their last real go at one this season 
Yeah, it was kind of funny last year. They did make, for a lot of the cup games, they did make a lot of changes, but the, the players that came in like really rose the challenge. I think Paddy Barris, who wouldn't have featured much in the league, I think he scored a couple of goals on route to the final last year. Um, so they do have kind of players that have come in and maybe they have a little less wiggle room this year because of injuries. Um, but you would imagine that players who haven't been started re- starting regularly will get a go. Uh, the fact that it's the first division side at home, I think realistically, whatever side they put out, they, they will go through. So I would imagine the likes of Gabriel Sava and Goal and a few other players will get a chance. Uh, one of the other interesting ties that again pits a Premier Division side against one from the first is at the Brandywell with Derry taking on Drogheda. Uh, last week, obviously, Kenny Shields was the centre of attention, as he has been for a lot of this season, for one reason or another. Um, this time around, away to Cork, accusing one of the Cork staff of using a sectarian name towards him. And do we know where we are with that situation? I know Derry had to present a case towards the FAI by Wednesday. Have we had any movement since then on that? No, there hasn't been any words, um, and I guess it's. I know our own sort of legal advice in here was that we, you know, you can't name the person who uh, has been accused of making this comment. Um, but clearly, there's only, there's only a limited number of people it could, it could have been. Um, so it, it's a strange one. It's you know uh, things do get said in the heat in the moment, heat of the moment, and maybe you can place too much emphasis on it, but certainly it's not, not great if you're sort of descending to that level, like whatever sort of argument you might have in football-wise. It's pretty grim if, if people are sort of resorting to that kind of name-calling. Um, so you would like to think it's a one-off if it did happen and, and it wouldn't be repeated. But no, there's been no word on, on what's going to happen. I'd imagine it will be... Um, it will probably be next week before anything comes out, but... In these kind of instances in the past, like they, you will find that somebody can be issued a touchline ban, but they won't tell you what the touchline ban is for, and you kind of have to put two and two together to try and figure it out. It's, which I think is a big issue that there's no sort of transparency. Like if somebody is guilty of a serious offence, and then that that should be highlighted. I'm a, I mean, I'm, I'm aware of a manager in the past who served like a five match touchline ban, and it was with regard to a comment he'd made on a player's nationality. You know, now you can. Which, 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 strictly speaking, is probably more xenophobic rather than racist, but you know, that, that was never outlined. It was just the touchline ban um, that was issued, which I kind of think is an issue. Like, if you're if you're going to punish somebody for something, then you need to say what it is, um, or else it kind of defeats the purpose of the whole thing. Well, this is something that's come up earlier on in the season when we looked at what happened with the crowd trouble between Bowes and Rovers at Daily Mount. There was, in the aftermath of that, I think within the same week, a statement from the FAI saying both clubs have been censured but they never really said how. I mean, surely, if you're going to dissuade whether it's somebody making a xenophobic or a sectarian remark or people running onto the pitch, you want it outlined how much this is going to cost the club or it's going to cost the individual. I certainly think so. Like, I, I do think it's like it's kind of unprecedented. Well, to my knowledge, at least, uh, when you look you look across the water and the, you know Chelsea and Spurs and the, the brawl that was in that game. Yeah. You know, it was the FA announced what what the fines were. Um, I don't see the points in sort of not releasing to the public. I mean, the, the FAI wanted FAI wanted to be seen to be doing something after that Bowser Rovers game. They announced that they were going to launch an investigation. They announced that they'd censured the clothes, but as you say, nobody knows what the punishment is. And, you know, for justice to be done, it has to be seen to be done as well. And I think people need to have a, a knowledge of what the punishment is punishments are and then they can make their own mind as to whether they, they feel the punishments meet, um, 
meet the crimes, you know what I mean? Yeah, this perhaps might sound like something of an ignorant question, but it seems across with the FA, when you see these statements released, and it's usually up on their website before it's anywhere else, that they tell you that such and such a club, such and such a player has been found in breach of code, whatever it is, of their uh, their rule book. And there seems to be a gradient scale as regards how many games somebody can punish for for that or how many pounds or euros or whatever somebody can be fined. Is there an equivalent for the FAI? Uh, good question. Um, if there is, um, it's not in the public domain. Um, I mean, there's something similar in terms of rugby, certainly in terms of uh, foul play. Like, it's quite clearly set out that within that, you know, m- mitigating factors can can reduce a sentence or indeed the community extenuating factors which which uh, increase it but um, no to my knowledge there isn't one so if it is it's, it's not public knowledge uh, this behind closed doors business can't be of any help to anyone uh, really uh, finally we'll end on some positive news and that that there is an international call up for within the League of Ireland but not uh, some might have suspected to uh, a provisional Irish squad but rather to Tunisia and it goes to Ayman Ben Hamid so some good news for Bose at last this season yeah um, it, it, it's great for him. Um, you know, like he's, he's a university student, only a part-time player, and he's getting called up by a country which is ranked 47 in the world. Uh, you know, for a competitive game with players from big leagues uh, around the world. Um, funnily enough, uh, last last year on the return home from the World Cup draw, I happened to be sitting beside the Tunisian manager, Henrik Kasperjak. Now, I must admit, at the time. I knew he was a football coach, I knew he was a French speaker, and I knew he was in charge of an African team, but I couldn't figure out who he was. So uh, <laughs> I can't claim that I uh, planted the seed of it, I'm in Ben Mohammed. But um, no, it's great news from him. Um, he's probably been the bright spot for both this year so far. Uh, they will miss him for a couple of games, but it's a great opportunity for him. You know, he's, he's 21, he's probably been a bit of a, a late bloomer in that he only first played in the league two years ago for UCD, then was at Longford last, last year, and there's been a real improvement kind of year on year and uh, you know this is a real chance for him to test himself and you know if you're playing in competitive African uh, Cup of Nations qualifiers there it's a sharp window for him in terms of where he, he can go in his club career as well It's intermission time we're happy to have you with us tonight and hope you'll come back often again to Neil O'Reardon of the Irish Sun and for the Sun themselves for the fantastic League of Ireland coverage yet again this weekend lots of great uh, stuff in particular from uh, Ollie Horgan in the wake of their thrashing at the hands of Dundalk and they're wanting to refix that fixture with St. Pat's in the league as both sides face a hell of a lot of congestion especially with European football looming uh, later in the summer I had lots of good stuff with Ollie Horgan as well you never mentioned that you never praise me you don't deserve it it comes back to the Wranglers again I just lose all respect for you when I see that W in your arse well then, stop staring at it so hard all the time. Can't. It's like looking at a car crash. In a good or a bad way. In a JG Ballard kind of sense. Okay, a guy we've wanted to speak to for quite some time, uh, despite the fact that we're only 11 weeks old, is Kevin Doherty. He's the Shelburne manager, but he's an interesting guy. He's like only in his mid-30s, and he is... Okay, a guy we've wanted to talk to for a long, long time, and by a long, long time, I mean the 11 weeks that we've... That been, is a long time. That's a long time. Um, uh, and 11 weeks is a long time in League of Ireland football, as the saying goes. Anyway, Kevin Doherty is the manager of Shelburne, but he's only in his mid-30s. Yeah. Uh, played for Shelburne, obviously had a couple of spells with them, played with Bray and Waterford, among others. Uh, started his career, in a professional sense, at Liverpool. 
and things were looking really really good for him mm. as in he was playing with the reserves and there was talk of him getting into the first team but then he had a stroke of I won't even call it bad luck he had a stroke of nasty nasty luck and uh, that changed things for him but he has made the best of it and he's made a very good career for himself anyway let's go back to his real misfortune and how it changed his career and I'll let him explain it himself it's, 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 I suppose it's the usual hard luck story really um, I went over when I was 18 and I just finished my leaving cert and fairly quickly got into the reserve team and, and got into the first team squad um, was was training away with the with the first team and playing a lot of reserve games while still eligible for the other 19s and stuff um, was playing with Ireland with Brian Kerr's under I think it was 18 at the time would be the 19s now and we, we, we qualified for the European Championships in Sweden and we went for a warm-up tournament just before in Holland and the first game of it, I was actually the captain and everything that day, so things were going well. First game, I ended up getting uh, breaking my, my leg and it was my femur that I actually broke it, which was very unusual in football terms. Uh, a lot of people would say, you know, maybe from car crashes and stuff, you might do that, but it knocked me, really knocked me, knocked the stuff out of me at the time, you know. Um, I had an operation in Holland the next morning um, and... For the good of two years, really, I was trying to get trying to get back, and and I, I signed a three year contract with Liverpool. My contract was sort of nearly up at the time. Um, when you're injured and stuff, it's 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 tougher to be away from home. And although I did have, there was a fair few, bit of interest still in England when 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 I uh, when my contract was up. Um, I just I, I came home and spoke to to Dermot Keeley, who was the manager of Shelbourne, and I was actually very impressed at the time because I. My impression of the league going away would have been part-time with league and whatever, but Shelburne were full-time and literally were very close to my home and my parents and, and, and my girlfriend and my wife now. Um, so everything was... I was sort of looking to come home at, the, at, at that stage. Now, there was always the intention maybe you might go back, but Shelburne seemed to be so progressive and, and, and said they were full-time. And Look, it was a great decision in the end to come home and, and play because I had a, a, a successful playing career there and obviously being the manager now, I've had a long association with the club, so... Um, it was a it was a tough decision to, to come home, but probably the, the right one at the time. Do you ever have that kind of sliding doors conversation with yourself about what might have happened had you not yes. broken your leg? Yeah, well, you never know. I mightn't have been good enough anyway to make it at the top level. Who knows? I was making very good progress at the time, and um, you do. I I think you're probably killing yourself if you if you think those things like you, what might have been. Like you look at lads I play with, with say Richard Dunn and. John O'Shea and stuff, and you, of course you w- you would you wouldn't I wouldn't say I'm envious. You you would be looking and think I wish that I had have got to the, the level that, that that those lads have got to, and possibly I might have, but maybe I wouldn't have. God God knows what would have happened. Yeah, and um, was the plan to come to Shelburne and then go back to England, or once you got home, you actually felt I'm settled here and that's that. Yeah, well, I think every player when they're coming back, they always say, "Oh, let's just go back for a while." But you do get settled in and. I did have the opportunity to go back a couple of times. Even um, Jim Gannon, who I, who I was playing with, took over at Stockport and wanted me to go back to, to 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 Stockport with him. And for whatever reason, I just didn't go back. And you do get comfortable at home, of course. But the standard of football was was so good. We were like, I think at the time, maybe when there was a ten team league or a twelve team league, like eight or nine teams were full time, and and like it was the place to be. We were making strides in Europe. Although ironically enough, then the the European run that we had I was actually injured for yeah. which was, was only, I was out for six weeks but sure that coincided with the, probably the the biggest cl- time in the club's history but um, I was generally uh, the league games and stuff we won we won leagues I, I, I was very happy here so there was no real reason to be thinking about going back 
Do you think injury shaped you as a coach? Possibly. Um, I probably deal with injured players better than maybe some, some managers might that, that don't have an understanding of it. Maybe it made me... Again, I, I retired just just a couple of a week before my thirtieth birthday mm. because of persistent injuries and I just um that probably the hunger had gone a little bit because I was sick of getting injured and sick of coming back and sick of going and rehabbing and, and it was actually it was, it was my calf I had a lot of calf trouble that I missed the European run mm. with and I think maybe six or seven years later that's when I is, retired. Is it hard to reconcile that maybe you don't actually know how good you could have been if it wasn't for injury. I mean, you had a very good career. Yeah. But it sounds to me like, you know, it just kept coming at the wrong times and it, it just... Yeah. The, you there, there rotten luck through your career. Yeah, I did. I did. And um, possibly that's what makes me maybe want to succeed as a as a coach and as a manager. And I, I wasn't long. I, I probably took maybe a month or two after I finished and then I started to do the coaching badges and, and, and um, I've got up and I'm, I'm done as far as my A licence now and, and was... Accepted onto the pro license this year, but the the FEI cancelled it for their own reasons. Um, so it probably makes me hungry in that way to to succeed as as a manager. So maybe it does shape you. Of course, it shapes your experiences. Always shape you, I suppose. How did you not fall out of love with football? Because it sounds like you had every reason to. I don't know. I just I just love football. It's very. I it's probably. I I don't think I I. I I was that bad. It's not as if I couldn't play. Like it's not as if I came home and I could never play again. I was still able to play. A, was was a good, very good level over here. And and as I said, I could have probably. I did have the opportunities to go back to England, albeit not at the very top level. But I I I, I never f- fell out of those times. Of course, it was it was dark times when with the injuries, particularly the, the leg break. And I was only eighteen, nineteen, and I was away from home. Like as much as it's only across to Liverpool, even. This was ninety eight, ninety nine, and it sounds like a hundred years ago. But we didn't even have a mobile, or didn't have a Skype, or whatever yeah. that probably young lads going away now would have. And it actually and pro- cost a lot of money to ring. It home. did. Yeah. It did. And uh, I was lucky enough. Um, my girlfriend again, who's my wife at the time, worked at Ryanair, so she was over at the time, and so it wasn't it wasn't too bad. But um, no, it's it's I, I never fell out of love with it. Like I mean, I love nothing more than watching football, being involved in football. I've literally done even at Shelbourne. I've I've. I've played, I went then to manage the under-19s, then I was the first-team coach, then I was the assistant manager, now I'm the manager. So like, there's always been that sort of progression and, and, and there was always something to aim for and, and lucky enough, I, I have the, the manager's job now. You've worked with Steve Highway, mm. Gerard Houllier, Dermot Keeley, Pat Fennan, to name just a few. Yeah. Is it hard to identify your own personality as a coach when you've worked with strong personalities? Because the easiest thing to do, I imagine, in that case is look at what they did and just copy it. And while... You know that would be understandable. Yeah. You have to be your own man. I think, yeah, you do, and and probably the managers that and and coaches that you've mentioned there probably wouldn't be dealing with some of the issues that I have to deal with. Generally, they would have been proper full time um, structures and full time players that you're dealing with, and a lot of different issues that I have to deal with. Part time players, like it's I've three lads, two lads in my starting team at the moment. They're doing their leaving certain a couple of weeks. Wow. Now. There's different. It's all relative, and they all have different problems with the likes of Pat Fenlon Wood, even at Shamrock Rovers when they're full time. But there's different issues, and look, I'm only in what I think I'm a year and a half as as manager, and but literally every day there's something else. There's another issue. I wouldn't say problem. They usually are problems, but you try and solve them as best as you can. But um, you do you take you do take from different managers, of course. And I know people always say that you you try and take the good parts and the parts that you didn't enjoy. You 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 don't take, but you do have your own personality and. I find with I, I as I said I think I, I was the youngest manager Shelburne ever had when I got the job and 
maybe I can relate to I'm not saying I can relate to 18 or 19 year olds like I'm, I'm not that young but <laughs> hey kids are you yeah, on the bingo yeah yeah I know exactly yeah I know yeah you're trying to have to stop myself you, you have to snapchat so. team talks yeah, to them yeah well I have my assistant manager he does the whatsapp group for me so it's grand it's alright but um, no you, you, you do try and, and, and identify with the players and, and, and take your own whatever your own little bit of the, your personality that not necessarily from all the other managers that you worked with I know people say it but is it true that players have to be dealt with completely differently now as opposed to when you were 18 and 19 and then when you were yeah. working under Dermot Keeley who yeah. who doesn't strike me as the kind of guy who says oh well you have to be sensitive and you have to you know you have to approach them differently no. well that's the, that's the outside view Dermot anyway you can tell me about the well no you're, yeah. you wouldn't be too far okay. wrong I know and, and Dermot he was was great and he saw, I, I saw him from force and my last spell at Shelbourne was a player I signed back from, so that tell you how much I thought of Dermot and still do. But it is different. Um, I know when you're talking at the very top level and you're talking about millionaires and, and you can't talk to them the way possibly that you that players were dealt with before because it's they're, they're afraid of get, losing their livelihood and stuff. It's not like that anymore. And people, I think, in general just are, are a little bit different now than they were then. The, the whole ball and players out, and believe me, I... I do do it sometimes when I think it's it's necessary, but it's it's um, it is a different mentality of of, of I'd say person, not just footballer. Um, it doesn't seem to be. I'm sure in any line of work, you don't have the the bosses and the managers screaming at people anymore. Like it's a different different world. They you, you could be up for bullying cases and stuff now these days with with stuff like that. But there is there's, there's time and a place, and I don't. It's I always remember. Um, you obviously look at different managers and try and take bits from even different documentaries and whatever and I'd, I'd look at a lot of Sir Alex Ferguson stuff and he he would always say about there's nothing wrong with losing your temper for the right reason yeah. now if players can't handle that if you're losing your temper like I did, I did it on Friday night in Drada and the response I got in training last night was fantastic so at the right time if, if, if you do have to scream and shout and whatever sometimes it's the right thing to do other times you have to uh, treat players differently What about someone like Stephen Elliott he's been there he's done that so how do you treat him as compared to the young lads? Or do you have to treat him the exact same way? I'm not necessarily a believer that you have to treat everyone the same. Um, there's different experiences experiences that Stephen would have, for instance, than one of the lads doing a leave insert hasn't had yet. They might. They might never have. And in general, in a group, you, would, you wouldn't you would be uh, treating everybody differently in their team talk and stuff like that. But you might know, for instance, when you're, when you're team talk that Stephen, for instance... As one player, he might get it, or my captain Dara Doyle's thirty-five. He might get something that one of the other young lads don't, and you might have to explain it in, in in greater detail to the younger lads. Um, so I do think you have to treat people a little bit differently, and it, it could it can be about training. If one of the young lads, for instance, doesn't go training for whatever reason, I mightn't be as as easy on him because I know he needs to be training. But if one of the lads is is off because it's child is sick or whatever reason yeah. you, 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 different people have different reasons for, for missing stuff and whatever and you, and, and you wouldn't necessarily like the young lads wouldn't have as many commitments say so you'd, you'd probably expect them to be learning their trade and to, you want them to be doing everything correctly whereas if one of the older lads has a reason for missing something for instance that's only one example yeah. you might treat it a little bit differently I spoke to a Shells fan today because I, you know, I wanted to get a sense okay. of you from the Shells fan, and he'll remain nameless, Owen Brennan, okay. um, and he said that the fans love you, and that you love the club, and that you know in the past you have played for them unpaid, so you have a respect level that maybe other managers mightn't have, or there's a relationship that that can't be questioned. You know, there's a genuine connection 
between you and the club. Does that help you as the manager? Do you do you feel that the the job is not easier, but maybe in some ways it's it's less hard because of that connection, because of that kind of genuine support from the fans? And I appreciate it can turn very quickly, but but is it relevant? I think it is. Um, it's very good to know that when you're doing whatever you, you you can, and whether it's training or matches, and you're doing everything you can. It's good to know that it's appreciated by the supporters because without supporters, or where I know in, in football in general, there wouldn't be anything. I think they know, and and it's it's not. I'm not one for, and I do I probably do do. So I'm not one for people going around kissing the badges when they've been at the place for five minutes or whatever. But I I, yeah. I do I do feel that I do have a love for the club, and as I said I've been there long. This is probably my twelfth or thirteenth, fourteenth maybe season in different roles, and I, I I can definitely feel that from the supporters, and even when we. When we're doing fan forums or whatever, I yeah. I do get that and I appreciate it. It's it's massive. I put it this way: I'd much rather do her doing that than calling for me to be out. Like <laughs> yeah. like has happened with, with with other managers and it happens at every club. And as you said, it could happen. It could happen me sometimes. Hopefully, it yeah. won't. But it's something I feel it. I can I can definitely feel it, and and, and I I really appreciate it. Would that make it very difficult? And this is not a kind of a you know I want you to say. Of course, I'd be interested in X, <laughs> Y, and Z. This is a kind of an overall question. Would that yeah. make it difficult if? We'll say a better job offer, or what is perceived to be a better job offer, came in for you. Yeah, I suppose if, if something like that came up, it would make it a lot more difficult. All yeah. right, yeah. Just the fact that I, I do have a love for the club, but I suppose we'll see if that situation ever arises. What will happen? But I, I yeah. don't see it arising for a long time anyway. Is there a sense of pressure off when you're playing because everyone's aware that the budget just isn't there? You're you're working under very limited resources. Hmm. Limerick are running away with the first division; they'll be crowned champions probably next week. Yeah. Um, to playing us next week <laughs> well the week after then yeah, um, d- does that in some ways take pressure off um, I suppose the expectations of the people within inside the club are, aren't as high as what maybe the outside expectations would be like people would see Shelbourne and rightly so as a, as a big we are a big club I'm not saying we're not but the expectations inside inside the place mightn't be as high and I suppose Limerick being in the league at the start of it I think took the pressure off every other club because it was before we even kicked the ball everyone knew like they've actually strengthened their squad from last year which is which is frightening their full time it does take a bit of uh, the pressure to win the league off I suppose but you want to be in the probably the playoff position now we're lucky enough we're in them at the moment yeah. and, and that was always our, our, our target and look it's a long way to go but our budget is, isn't great and people do know that as I said particularly within the club Um it's it's probably outside the club that people don't realise they say oh Shelbourne should be in this and Shelbourne should be doing that and remember Deportivo and remember when they were winning leagues and stuff and then sometimes it can be hard to take for myself because I'm I know I, I've mentioned it already I've I've lads not getting paid I've lads doing their leaving start playing yeah. and the although we would have our own expectations within the group as in the players and the, and the staff they they would be more realistic I suppose yeah what about your style because. Your style of football is beautiful to watch. I saw a lot of your game against Waterford United in the RSC and that wonderful, wonderful yeah, goal. Yeah. I mean, if people haven't seen it, they should check it out. It's it's available through YouTube or possibly on the Shelburne yeah, website as well. So, yeah, yeah. Um, wh- where does that philosophy come from? Because as a as a hard-nosed defender, maybe people wouldn't have expected you to have that kind of style. No, I don't think I ever I passed it much, to be honest. Um, well, I wasn't suggesting yeah, that well, there, uh, I got that from your tone, all right. But um, <laughs> no, I, I, yeah. I, I just like playing... It's it's probably the the correct way to do it. Now I'm not I'm I'm more pragmatic than that. When it's like I I give you a classic example. Last week we played Cavan Teeley 
and you couldn't pass the ball five yards on the pitch. So we went four four two, we went direct, and we won four nil. So there is different ways of playing, and they're all whatever really is the winning way is probably the best way. But you go back to the likes of that Waterford goal, and we've had a couple more that generally when the pitch when the pitches are are decent, we do like to play because I don't know maybe it's just the the younger generation coming through. They maybe they've been better coached than over like whatever academies even over with over here that they've come through or lads coming back from England or they want to play and, and I, I feel if you have the players like we've we've brought a couple of players in that, that can pass that particularly in the mid in the middle that you'd that were involved in that goal that you mentioned the likes of King Cabin who's on loan from Rovers. Like there's no point in yeah. Keane playing if the ball is going to be in the sky all the time. So you have to try and uh, get the most out of your players. No it's it's great to watch. But ultimately what you want to do is win football matches and Whatever it takes, if 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 it takes a more direct approach, so be it. But if we can play, we will play. Now this weekend coming up, we've got the FAI Cup clash with Dundalk, as I like to call it, the Dermot Keeley Derby, because I always yeah. tie Dermot into Shelburne and Dundalk, which is probably silly considering you know he has been around. He has the league, been around, all right. He has yeah. been very much around. Um, is that a free shot playing a team like Dundalk? Is the pressure off again? I know I've used yeah. the term pressure off a lot here, but no, it probably is. There's no point in in, in lying about. It. I think I saw somewhere we were 23 to one to win the match. So I think in a two horse race, it's, it's it'll it'll tell you what the expectations are. Um, there is in some way pressure off, but you don't want to be going there thinking about getting beaten or what's trying to keep the score down or anything like that. Like when you get a free shot, which we have for the last this is the fourth time out of the last five cup draws we've got Dundalk, and people will wonder why we haven't had a cup run for a couple of years. And um, we didn't get them in the league cup, and we end up beating balls. We end up getting, yeah. getting knocked out in penalties against Sean Rover. So we we've done okay, but. Back to the the Dundalk one. It's they're f- by far and away the best team in the in the country. Um, they're the fittest. They're the strongest. They're top of the league again. I think they're ten points clear of third position. I was just looking at that today. Four or five points ahead of Cork. Um, you're going up there. We will certainly try and compete with them and have a. You say you have a go with them. You, you go and have a go with them. They probably hammer you. You know. So you have to have. A, we've worked on it a little bit last night and. It's something I, I, I said to the players last night only um, our intensity was very high it was, I thought it dropped off a little bit in the draw of the game at the weekend so last night night, night in training was very intense and we need to be like 200% from our level Do you, you go know? four five one, or do you Yeah probably look without telling Stephen Kenny I'm sure he, I'm sure he'll know what we're yeah. going to do but uh, you, you, you do we've been playing sort of four three three a lot of the season anyway so there's yeah. not much of a variation it's just it might be a bit more defensive because so they'll have the, the ball the wide at the top of the three just kind of possibly, maybe hang back a yeah, bit more possibly like it, it's very easy to flip from a four five one to four three three when you have yeah. the ball they, they, they're attackers and, and, and when they have to do the defensive work particularly when you have full backs like Sean Gannon going to be run down the right for, for, Dr- or for Dundalk sorry so it's going it, to it will be tough we won't have the ball a lot of the time but as I said to the players last night, like there is, as you said, it's a free shot. There's no pressure, and maybe, just maybe, yeah. it could be part of something special if we manage to pull something off. Win, lose, or draw. Do you learn more about your players through a game like this? I mean, I spoke to a, a football manager at the weekend, and he said, "I was disappointed. I don't mind us losing, but guys hid, and that I can't abide." Yeah, yeah, I, I, I know what he meant as well. Like, um, it's sometimes when you're 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 playing and you're winning, and it's one nil or it's one all, and there's not a lot in the game. You you don't see much, but when if you happen to go a goal or two down and you see heads dropping and stuff, that is you do. You sort of learn a lot about people's characters and stuff. And it was last year again we, in the FEI Cup they beat us five 0 up there, and I learned a lot that night. And to be like 
as much as I, 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 I would like to have overall the squad for whatever reason from last year we, we, we finished just outside the playoffs there's not many playing going to be starting on Friday that played in that game for instance so you do learn learn about different characters and, and, and what they're capable of now they're coming up against full time athletes and, and as I said some of my lads are in school they're on fast courses they're in work mm. and it is they are playing at a different level but hopefully you never know we, we could raise it and you just never know Kevin, the very best of luck and really appreciate your time and thanks no for problem. coming into us. Thanks, Wishing. Cheers. Really interesting guy and indeed we wish him uh, all the best with Shelburne. It's nice to see young managers, I suppose, in the league and uh, try and do something different as well. Uh, so thanks to Kevin for making time out for us on the podcast this week. Um, before we go, we have to mention I'm a Ben Mohammed. We didn't get to mention this in the rap because that was recorded before this news broke, but uh, what? Bohem- Bohemian's winger I'm a Ben Mohammed called up to the Tunisian national squad for their uh, African Nations Cup qualifiers how dare you how dare you suggest yeah. that I would miss a League of Ireland story in my rap uh, it's because you recorded it 48 hours ago let's not dwell on that fact for example I included the news that Go on. on today Thursday May 19th it has been raining the Irish Open has got underway see I didn't record that and drop it in afterwards alright fair enough uh, but yeah, I'm a Ben Mohammed called up to the Tunisian national squad, kind of following in the long prayer tradition of classy Bose wingers playing international football at the same time as residing in Dublin 7, uh, bringing to mind Mendogas Kalaunas, who played for Lithuania while he was at Bose in 2008, uh, won the uh, Cup with us that year as well by scoring the winning penalty in the penalty shootout against Derry, uh, for which I was behind the goal, freezing my nads off, the coldest I've ever been in Ireland was at that cup final although we were we did have our cockles warned by Johnny Logan serenading us before the match with homie now which was great and a great day all round it would have been good if he literally held you now because the body warmth probably would Especially have come as a J-Lo. relief he's a particularly warm blooded individual so yeah class ok it's FAI Cup second round weekend uh, Bowles taking on Galway Cork City up against St Peter's Derry meet Drogheda Dundalk take on Shelburne we spoke about that with Kevin Doherty UCD up against Bray Waterford taking on Longford in a repeat from the two ball final a couple of years ago Furhouse take on Wexford Utes Shamrock Rovers meet Middleton Bluebell take on Limerick Ringmatten Rangers up against Glebe North St Pat's take on Pike Rovers Cove Ramblers take on Cherry Orchard at Lone Town up against Letter Kenny Rovers who were hammered in the Intermediate Cup final last weekend by Crumlin who were up in Finn Harps Sligo Rovers up against Cabin Teeley and Janesborough take on Sheriff YC Yes indeed as always if we haven't spoken about your club this weekend it is because we think you're minnows. Yous are shy. And yous are going to lose in the second round. We of the don't cup. respect you. And we have none at all. And we'll be back with more of the same guff next week. Thank you for your patience and your downloading and your listening. Until next time, ta ta. Tell your friends about it. Oh no, wait a minute. You support League of Ireland teams. You don't have friends.